as you look at this chapter, the remainder of this chapter, verses 4 to the end, there's something that stands out. If we read verse 5 there, for example, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And on the apostle goes, saying again, and he is quoting something. He's quoting from different parts of the Old Testament. That's what he's doing. And there are actual seven Old Testament references. Between verses 5 through to 13. And some of the quotes that he makes are a couple of verses from Old Testament texts. So he's taking large chunks from the Old Testament scriptures. He makes an abundant use of the Bible. Now most of the quotations are from the Psalms. One is from 2 Samuel and the chapter 7. Now this is not unusual for Paul to quote the Old Testament. We know that he does this in all of his writings. He's always showing from Scripture. Always quoting the text. And he does so throughout the book of Hebrews. But it's something I want to focus on tonight. Something I want to make some comments about. Paul and his use of the Old Testament. Now I have said in the past that the book of Hebrews is a a special book. It's different from his other writings. To me it has the appearance like an early Christian homily. Like a sermon. It doesn't start with a, a letter address. But it starts with God. It starts straight into the introduction to the theme and to the message that he brings. And it's not his usual way with his epistles. It's more like a sermon. It's more like an address given to the church. And this is typical, I believe, of the kind of sermons that were given in the early Christian church. The Old Testament was before them in their meetings. There was the main reading from the Old Testament passages, the main text. But the early Christian preachers did not stay solely in the main text the way that we do today in the West. They have a different way of thinking, a different way of comprehending, a different way of presenting the truth than the the Western mind. The Western mind is different. We are detailed in the text. We divide the text and subdivide the text and bring everything out of the text and examine word for word what is in the text. And that's good. But you'll not find any sermons like that in the New Testament. You'll not find anything like that in the examples of sermons that we have in the Acts of the Apostles. There wasn't just one text and it was was expounded and exegeted and that was the whole focus. There are no examples of that kind of preaching. That's not the way it was done in the East and that's not the way the Eastern mind works. 
Not, not the same logical way that, that we in the West do. Now, it's, it's a good way. We're not saying it's wrong to preach the way that we do in the West. But we have to have understanding of how they preached in the East and in the early church. And if you read, the, as I said, the Acts of the Apostles, you will see examples of that. They take one verse, and then they take another verse, and then they bring in another passage, and they're coming from different areas, and they're collating from the scriptures, and they're bringing the truth and force to the mind in that way. So they were intertextual in their preaching. They were bringing out the relationship between texts in their sermons. And you see this in Peter's sermon, the first recorded sermon that we have in the day of Pentecost. Joel is the main text, but soon he goes to other scriptures, and he's bringing in other scriptures, and he's showing how they have a bearing on what is taking place that day with the pouring out of the Spirit in Jerusalem. And that's how he preached. And you see this in Philip's preaching to the evangelist. Isaiah 53, as we know, is his main text. It was open before him. The man was reading it. And what does the Bible say? Philip opened his mouth. And listen to it carefully. Began at the same scripture. And preached unto him Jesus. He didn't stop there. He just began there. That was his commencement. That was the commencing text. He began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus and the implication was like with Peter he was soon bringing in other texts into the sermon into the message that he had for the Ethiopian uh, eunuch modern thinking says you should not do that you should draw from the text you should deduce from the one text you should have that only before you and you shouldn't be bringing in all the multiplicity of other texts into the sermon but that's just not the way it was done in the early church they were intertextual preachers of God's word it was look at this verse and then now look at that passage and now we'll bring in this passage and show it in relation to that that's how they did it that's what Paul is doing in this chapter he's bringing in a whole multitude of texts into the sermon. In fact, I think there are over 80 Old Testament verses that are found in this, this whole book. So he does it quite a bit. He's, he's bringing in intertextual preaching in this one message of the epistle to the Hebrews. Uh, and there are people who will tell us, oh, no, no, not too much quoting of the scriptures, just focus and draw what is in the passage at, at that particular place. No. God's word is, is one voice. And we can draw from any part of it. And give on to the people the message. And we have to show the interconnection and the interrelations of all the scriptures. The way Paul does this, bringing in these passages, it shows what the Bible was to him. One undivided voice. It was God speaking. And the scriptures cannot be broken. And they're all interlinked and all interconnected. And he could draw from any part of that well of Holy Scripture and bring it to bear on the message for the people at that particular time. 
As I look at this epistle and, and have been thinking about it and turning it over in my mind, Paul's main text undoubtedly is Psalm 110. That is as if that's the passage that he's read if he was preaching this in, in, a, in an early Christian church, a Christian community. I, I have an imagination. This is just an imagination now. I don't want you to get carried away with this. This isn't what necessarily happened. But I imagine a Christian community, mainly Hebrew believers. And one of the readings on this particular day in the liturgy or whatever was Psalm 110. And this would just be a typical sermon that would follow that reading on Psalm 110. And he would bring other passages in. And, you know, through Hebrews, we understand Psalm 110 in a way we never would. Paul hadn't have done that. He has just opened up Psalm 110. He's just expounded it and explained it and he's brought in all the multitude of other scriptures and at the end of it you begin to say, oh now I see it. Now I see it. He was a great preacher, Paul. He, he knew how to preach and I have to say I wish I could preach like this. I wish I had mine molded to uh, be a biblical theological preacher the way the Apostle Paul was. And I wish that we in the West had biblical theological minds to be able to pre appreciate this, this kind of preaching. But what I want to say is some things about Paul's use of the Bible. Four things. Some things that we can draw from what he does here and the way that he does it, his, his use of the Holy Scriptures. The first thing that I want to leave with you is this undoubted truth. Paul knew his Bible. He knew his Bible. He was not a preacher who had just skimmed the surface of Scripture. He was a preacher who was deeply embedded in the text of all the Scriptures. He knew his Bible. There's no question about that. He quotes freely. He quotes plentifully and he does so with great ease. As I said, this book is over 80 direct Old Testament quotes to say nothing of the many allusions to the Levitical rites that are referred to in the epistle. And it's the same with his other epistles as well, especially his epistle to the Romans. There are over 80 Old Testament quotes there as well in that epistle. This was obviously a man who was steeped in the, in the Bible. And he wasn't a man who you know, went through a concordance and he had all the electronical devices. To, you know the way we have, we, we have this down the margin with all the text here. Paul didn't have that. He was steeped in the Bible. He could bring in all these connections because he knew the scriptures. He was special. Remember, Paul was a biblical scholar, of course. Even before he was converted, he was a student of the Bible. He belonged to the strictest sect of Judaism. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And you can say what you like about the Pharisees, but they knew their Bible. They sat in the chair of Moses. You know, we have chairs today, the university chair, the professor of this subject and that subject. Well, the Pharisees, they were the professors of the Scriptures. They sat in the chair of Moses. They were the ones who knew the book, who knew the text. 
And he had been brought up at the feet of one of the most renowned of Israel's rabbis, Rabbi Gamaliel. He probably had memorized the whole Torah, all the five books of Moses. He probably knew them inside out. He probably could write the whole text out. The same also of the Psalms and perhaps other parts of the scriptures as well. And this was a vast oasis that he had in his, his life. And after the Lord saved him and filled him with his Holy Spirit, all of that just came together. God had prepared this man even before he saved him. He called him, as he says himself, from the womb. He was prepared from the womb. And he became a student in scriptures because he was being prepared from the womb, even though he didn't know the Lord. But the Lord was going to reveal himself to Paul. And he was going to use his whole foundation of the establishing in the text of scripture which this man had. And you see it, it comes out in all his writings. He just knew his Bible. Now some have wondered at the reason for Paul's great power and influence. He was such a mighty preacher. He was a most effective missionary and evangelist. And the people have asked, what was his secret? How can we discover his secret? Well, obviously, the main secret is God's sovereignty in his life, the grace of God in his life. He himself said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. So he acknowledges it was the grace of God in the main. Thus, the secret was God's spirit. The Holy Spirit which infilled him. But we must not forget, congregation, that the Spirit goes hand in hand with the Scriptures. And the Spirit was going hand in hand with this man's knowledge of the Scriptures. And he would not have been the same man if he hadn't been a student in the Bible. If he hadn't been established in the scriptures, if he hadn't had a mind, even though he was in darkness and in blindness before he was saved, yet he had a mind established in the text of God's word. And whenever he got saved and the light shone in and it just dawned on him what the whole text meant, and he had power to expound that and to show the interrelations between all of that. And he did so in his preaching. That was the secret of his power. A mind filled with the Bible. And then filled with the Spirit of God. If the Word had not dwelt in him richly. It would not have been the same powerful apostle. It would not have been the same influence. It would not have been the same effectiveness in Western Europe but because of the, the Bible in him. And then the mighty spirit. He had power because of this union that was taking place inside him through the providence and grace of Jesus Christ. So he was mighty in Scripture. And we cannot expect to be used of God and be influential for the Lord if we are weak 
in Scripture and neglecting our Bibles. The more you know your Bible, people of God, the more useful you will be for the Lord. The more effective you will be as an evangelist. And that's why we must work hard to study Scripture. It's a lifetime aim. Paul never stopped studying Scripture, even after he was converted. Bring the manuscripts, he said to Timothy when he was in prison. He said to the same young man, give attendance to reading. Read the scriptures. Study the word of God. That's why we must work hard to get the scriptures into us. And that's why we must work hard to get the scriptures into the children, especially when they are young. Even if they are not converted. Even if they don't get saved until they're adults. We still have to work hard to get the scriptures into them. Get them to memorize it. Get them to know the scriptures. Get them to be familiar with all the truths of God. And to know the theology of scripture by getting the catechism into them. They mightn't understand it. They mightn't grasp it. They mightn't appreciate it. But I tell you this. Whenever they get converted and the Spirit of God fills their lives, there is something there for him to work with. And that's why we get it into them, even when they're not converted. From a child, Paul said to Timothy, Thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. The psalmist said, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. And train up a child in the way that he should go. So it will stand by them later in life, even if they don't get saved till then. And you children, you should search the scriptures. You should learn the word. And whenever you're given the memory text, you, you get it into your heart and you make every effort. You're young, you have fresh minds, you have able minds. You get it in. You obey your teachers. And you get the scriptures memorized and you learn them by heart and you go over them again and again and you listen to every sermon that you can and every children's message that you can and every lesson and every instruction that you receive. Learn the word. Devour the Bible when you are young. I don't know, maybe the Lord will make you ministers and missionaries. Children, I hope and pray that he does. But even if he doesn't, he'll make you parents. He'll make you useful members of society. It would be wonderful that if he did, you had already received this grounding in Scripture like Timothy from a child. Begin early. Begin as children. Love the Bible. Study the Bible. Read books about the Bible. Listen to sermons on the Bible. Get it into you from a child. What did the Savior say? Search the Scriptures. All of the Scriptures. All of the Old Testament. And the New Testament too. So so Paul knew his Bible. Paul also knew how to use his Bible. That's another thought. He knew how to use it. He knew how to draw from it. How to apply it. Knowing your Bible is one thing. Knowing how to apply it is another thing altogether. You see, Paul's knowledge of Scripture was not just memory work. 
Not just get the text into your mind and memorize it. Now, I have no doubt that Paul did do that. I have no doubt that he could reproduce a large part of the Old Testament text. That's the way those old Jews were. They memorized scripture. They could write the text out again. They had such sharp minds. And I have no doubt that Paul could do that. He could write out book after book. But that does not mean ability for pointed application. That does not mean that you have an understanding of the interrelationship of the various parts of the scriptures and their interconnections. Paul didn't only know the whole text of scripture. He knew its meaning, especially when he got saved and the light of Christ shone into his heart and the Lord took him aside for a few years into Arabia. It just all opened up onto him, his knowledge of the Old Testament. He learned to link the passages. He obviously collated the passages of Scripture on different truths. He collected the texts, different points. What has the Bible to say about this? And what has the Bible to say about that? So he studied the Bible that way, collating things. He obviously did that because you see that in his writings. And you especially see this that in this chapter, the way that he did it. He knew how to use the sword. He didn't just know his sword. He knew how to use it. He knew how to thrust with it. He knew how to apply it. He knew how to get into the heart with it. He knew how to do surgery with it in the human conscience, in the human soul. He knew how to probe, how to cut and search and prove with it. He has a point to prove uh, and he proves it. And that's what this chapter is about. He has a point to prove. And the point to prove is that that son who sits at the right hand of God, who looks like a man, who has the appearance of a man, that son who sits there as a man at the right hand of God, who was made a little lower than the angels as man when he walked on the earth, is better than angels is higher than angels that's the point that he wants to prove the sun is better than angels now we're not studying the point and the doctrine tonight that, that he is explaining and proving we're just studying how he proved it and he brought the scriptures to that point to burn that point from seven different places all coming together collating them together to prove that point. He knew how to use his Bible. He knew how to draw from the scriptures to hammer home to the Christian community the point. It's in the Bible. God's word teaches it. And that's how they preach. That's how they did it. So he knew how to apply it. He knew when and where to bring in the texts of scripture. This ability only came with work. No one suddenly zapped and they're able to preach like that, to use scripture like that. That only comes with work, with labor, with study, with going over the scriptures. God doesn't zap lazy minds, but he can and he does zap studious working minds. And Paul had done his work. And on the Damascus road, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. 
And he continued that labor in word and doctrine the way all ministers ought to. He collated scripture on the various themes. He did the collection and he can draw from the fountain. And you don't do that without constant work, constant study, constantly keeping your mind fresh. You just know here that this is a fresh preacher who has just come from the wells of Holy Scripture. So he he knew how to use his Bible. And you have to collect the themes and on the different things that maybe a subject comes up you, you have to draw from Scripture to see what the Bible teaches on that. And learn how to present that to people. Then thirdly, as you study this, you see that Paul had conviction concerning the Bible and its infallible divine authority. It's God's voice to him. He has a conviction it's God's voice. He has a, a persuasion that it's God speaking. In fact, that's how he started out his sermon. God spake by the prophets. And we have the prophet's voice. We have the prophet's writings. And the prophet's writings are God speaking. He had that conviction. But to him, Scripture was the voice of God. You remember how he said to Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's God's voice. It's God's breath. It's God breathed. He says concerning Israel, that unto them were committed the very oracles, the oracles of God. He says in chapter 3, verse 7, the Holy Ghost says, and then he quotes an Old Testament scripture, and he says in chapter 4, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So Paul saw scripture as speaking with one voice. It had a solid unity. It was wonderfully interlinked. So he had no problem going outside the text. He had no problem going outside the verse that he was preaching on that day and going to another verse and bringing that to that verse and showing its bearing on that verse and then another one pulling it in doing this all the time because to him it was the same voice. It wasn't bringing another voice to that text. It was bringing the same voice to that text because he had conviction of the authority of the Bible and it was the voice of God. It was God speaking wherever the text was found. And these seven texts, they're from different parts of Scripture, but to him they had all one voice Bearing on this one particular theme that he's dealing with on this occasion. You'll see how he puts it there. For unto which of the angels said he. It's God speaking. Did, he say, did God say at any time to the angels, thou art my son? No, God said it to his son. And then verse 6. When he bringeth into the first begotten into the world, he said. That is God said. And then verse 7. Of the angels, he said. He doesn't just say it's written, it's in the text. He says God said it. He said it. That voice that I told you about at the very start, he said it. He had this conviction that the Bible was the voice of God. And so it is, brethren and sisters. It doesn't just contain God's word. It is God's word. It's God's voice. When you hear the scriptures read, you're hearing the voice of God. Whenever you hear the scriptures truly preached, you're hearing the voice of God. You're hearing God speaking. Paul had this persuasion. 
And we must never doubt any part of the Bible, no matter what modern scholars come along to make us doubt. We must believe the whole of the Bible. We must be persuaded of the infallibility of every part. Every part. And we must not hesitate to draw from any part of it to hear the voice of God. As our Lord Jesus Christ said, the scripture cannot be broken. Can't be broken up and divided and subdivided as if it's many things and they're not connected. Yes, they are many things, but they're a union together and they can't be broken because the many words are the voice of God. The voice of God. And so to Paul, if the Bible said it, that ended the matter. To the law and to the testimony, what the Bible says on that point, that ends the discussion on that point. Thereafter, we must believe that point if God's voice has established it. So it's clear then that Paul, not only does he have this conviction when he writes this, but it is also clear that the community to which he writes have that conviction as well. The church knows this. Paul does not have to labor the point. He doesn't have to say, you know, the Bible's God's word. The Bible's the voice of God. And he has to convince them and persuade them that the scriptures, you know, have authority. He never has to do that. Because it was always in the cycle of the Christian church that the Bible was the word of God. The Christian community has always believed that. The Christian community has always received the Bible, the scriptures, as the infallible word of God. He has this conviction. That's the third thing we learn from the way that he does this with the scriptures. And then the last thing, very quickly, Paul saw Christ in all the scriptures. He saw Christ in all the scriptures. Whenever Paul uses these scriptures, He's using them to prove the divine sonship of Christ. He sees Christ as the fulfillment of Scripture. He sees Christ as the substance of the Bible. That's how he sees it. And the Lord Jesus Christ said that too. Search the Scriptures. They are there that testify of me, he says. They're about me. Had you believed Moses... You would have believed me, for, for he wrote of me. Remember shortly after his conversion, it was said that Saul increased the more in strength. And he confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. He confounded them. Because he knew how to use his Bible. He had understanding of the Bible. The Spirit of the Lord just came down upon him that day. He was converted. He was a new man. And he had this Bible living in his heart. And he utterly confounded them. And he got stronger and stronger as the days passed. And when the Lord took him away into Arabia, he became mighty. A mighty preacher to the Gentiles. And to him the Bible was about Christ. 
and he proved Christ from the scriptures. And that's what he's doing here in, in chapter 1. So this book shows that his strength lay in the word when he proved to the Jews who Christ was. Mighty in scripture. That's Paul. What was said of Apollos could be said of Paul. He mightily convinced the Jews and publicly showing by the scriptures that Jesus was Christ. He only used the Bible because the Bible is about the Christ. Preaching and persuading concerning Jesus because Christ is in all the scriptures. You see, to Paul, the Old Testament was not obsolete. It wasn't something that could be dispensed with. God speaking now by his Son in the New Testament did not make the Old Testament to be useless. It still was foundational to the Christian faith and in the Christian community. And the Christian church has never thrown out the Old Testament. It never could do that. It's the voice of God. It's kept the Old Testament. Even though now we have the, the voice of the Son himself in the New Testament. We keep them both together. We preserve them both. Because Christ fulfilled the old. And it does not mean that now the light can be blown out. And we don't need you anymore you Old Testament. We can blow your light out now. No that's not the way it works. Christ has come and he's fulfilled the Old Testament. And now his spirit blows on the Old Testament. And instead of that dim light that it was in dark times. It now has been found into a burning, shining light for us today in New Testament times. And that's why we love to preach the Old Testament as much as we preach the New Testament. Because we can bring the New Testament and the light of Christ and the voice of Christ to the Old Testament. And understand it in a way that has never been understood before. So Christ speaking has just opened it more. Established it more. Made it a burning light like never before. You know the most impressive scene takes place at the end of the Acts of the Apostles. Paul is a prisoner in Rome. He has his own lodgings. There are Roman guards with him watching over him. But he had freedom to receive people in his lodgings. We read there at the end of Acts that as people come to him in his lodgings, he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus. Out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, it was an all-day sermon. He did that from morning to evening. What a sermon it was. Maybe Hebrews here is just a sample of what he did that day. Morning to evening. Out of the law of Moses. Out of the prophets. This text and that text. Bringing them all together. Proving concerning Jesus the Christ. That's how they preached. Because that was the understanding that Christ gave unto them. When he gave them the spirit and gave them understanding. That they might understand the scriptures. It was this ability to collate the texts of the voice of God together. And so he could quote from all of these areas concerning Jesus, the Son of God. The apostles learnt that from the Saviour. Remember how 
The Lord Jesus rebuked them at the start after his resurrection. You're, oh, you're just so foolish. You're so slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And then he said, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Is it not all here in the Old Testament? And then beginning at, at Moses uh, and beginning at, at all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. All the scriptures, the things concerning himself. And that's the very thing Paul did that day in his lodgings in Rome. All the scriptures, morning to evening, concerning Jesus the Christ. Oh, he loved Christ in the Old Testament. And he used that all the time to build up the Christian community in their faith. And he was a mighty man. And he gave us many mighty writings for which we thank and praise God. And so congregation, believe the Bible then. Don't doubt the Bible. God speaking concerning his son. Believe in his son. These things are written in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that you may believe in him and that Christ and God's son and that provision and that one who purged our sins and that one who sat down at the right hand of God is all there in the Bible that you might believe in him and trust in him. The apostle goes on later on to say see that you do not refuse him that speaketh. Don't refuse him that speaketh. If they escape not who refused him that spake on earth, at Sinai, how shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? So don't refuse the voice of God, but believe on the Son and come to Jesus Christ. 